Monday. Da -na -na. Pop science. Da -na -na. Pop science. You are the music and me. science. We were just watching High School Musical 2. The best. No. Debatable? Probably not. It really isn't the best one, but it's the most fun one. It gives the happiest vibes. Yeah, but it's like, so I just feel like the third one is the best one, but it's sad because it's the end. And then the first one is nostalgic, but it's not good because it's the beginning. So the second one is like Wait, they're what? comfortable with each other, but they're not like. Why is, why is the beginning not good? I will say, the second one has the best songs. I didn't know You Are the Music and Me was the second one. For yeah. some reason, I thought it was the first one, maybe? But that's Breaking Free. Breaking Free is the one that they do on stage at the end, but what's the one that they do on stage, like, in the middle? With, um, what's her name on the piano? Uh, uh Kelsey. Kelsey. What, is, what song do they do? Sarah Kate's in the studio with us this tonight. Uh, no, that's Breaking Free. I'm looking at the High School Musical soundtrack. High School Musical 1. Uh-huh. The opening scene to that movie is also really good. I hope y'all can hear me fiercely typing like in the last episode <laughs> when Ma Madison mentioned that um, she mentioned the the quiz you could take to see how long you're going to live and you can hear me like furiously typing. Okay, High School Musical. Also, one of these episodes will be me breaking down what High School Musical the series is because High School Musical the musical the series, I think is what it's called because I don't understand and I just haven't cared. They do what I've been looking for. They do what I've been looking for. No, what that's... I've been looking for. Oh, that's They right. do their own version. That's With Kelsey. Right. Okay, it's settled. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, you may or may not have noticed, but last week we took a short hiatus off of um, recording because Madison and I both have had some pretty major life shifts happen in the past week and a half, two weeks. So, yeah. Yeah, so we took off. We are going to be annoying, and we're not ready to talk about it yet or ever. Or maybe one day? Maybe one day. Well, when is this coming out? This is coming out Next Monday. Monday. I guess it's technically not a secret for me. I got a new job, but we'll talk about it later. Woohoo! Go Ashton! Woohoo! I got a new job. I'm job. But it's, it's been a lot. And I'm in the midst of trying to transition out of my current position into a new position. So, oh, and um, Madison's back in school full swing. So her schedule's, you know, well, I guess it's the same since you've always been at the lab working. Yeah, I, my, um, so this is Tuesday, August something. 17th. 17th. I start class officially tomorrow. Oh, okay, I thought you went back this week. We do, we only have class on Wednesday and it's from 8 to 4 every Wednesday. Okay. So, yeah, so she, she goes back to school this week and then... There was something, oh yeah, my brother and sister are renovating a house that they bought, and so that has kind of eaten up a lot of my free time, because luckily I'm on, um, we call my nephew, his name is Theo, we call him Tito, and I'm on Tito duty, so I've been 
pretty much babysitting nonstop. But we're coming back. We're hoping to get a normal schedule soon. Um, but we're going ahead and going to do this episode in, I think, one more week. And then I think we're going to take a little break to kind of plan and make this bigger and better and more amazing and perfect and awesome and poppy and sciencey and sciencey and bussin' bussin' and ooh, oh crap I don't have a word for the week oh no it's okay I have one wait I'm so excited okay tell me the word of the week wait hold on What's the segment called? We really should take notes. Word of the slang of the week. <laughs> na, na, na. Okay, go ahead. So, for slang of the week this week, it's not really slang. It's it's a science word. Okay. <laughs> Long comes Debbie Downer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we love Debbie Downer. So, the word of the week is... Drosophila. Oh my gosh. I don't even... Is that like a clinical term? Drosophila. Can you use it in a sentence? Yes. (laughs) I am so alarmed at how Drosophila today has been. (laughs) That's not funny. Stop laughing at my jokes that aren't funny. She literally people laugh at things that aren't funny, and it's it's not helping me out. That wasn't funny. So Drosophila, <laughs> Drosophila is a noun. Uh, I figured. It's my my Drosophila hurts. I'm picturing something in the. I'm picturing something in your throat region. Maybe it's esophagus. Oh <laughs> okay. Drosophila is the genus of fruit fly. Is that your topic? No. So, Drosophila melanogaster is the genus and species of fruit fly. What does genus mean? You know, like we are... I don't know. Like, you know how every animal... like Oh, like the beginning. I don't know. I don't know the origins of the word genus. But, like, every animal, there's, like, a lion. But they have a, a real genus and species name that is Latin. Yeah. Okay. All so, right. the Latin genus and species for fruit fly is Drosophila melanogaster. Mm, my, gr- my brain is kind of grasping what you're saying. It's, it's common in science because Drosophila are used often as a model organism. Mm-hmm. So, like, my lab, we use mice, but you can use fruit flies to do certain studies, and they're good because their lifespan is so short. But they're tiny. They're tiny, but their lifespan is so short, so if you want to do a quick study, you're able to literally do it in three days. Mm. Okay. All right. I like my <laughs> I think my my words are more fun. I'm just glad I came through this. But week. I don't have yeah, I, I I don't I don't have one. Um but you want to do rose and thorn? Sure. I'll go first. Okay. Okay. So my thorn is the fact that I cannot get out of bed until seven thirty in the morning. Mind you, I have to be at work at eight. And I'm just really struggling. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. But my rose is, okay, it's kind of a story. Story time. I'm ready. Okay, so here's what happened. I have a shark 
cordless vacuum. It's just like a, it's like a smaller, it's, it's a really good vacuum and it's the best thing I've ever purchased. I got it for my birthday last year and it's the best thing I've ever done, okay? So I love my vacuum. It does carpet, it does hardwood, it's it has detachable like uh, attachments, I guess would be the word. <laughs> and um, you can like vacuum the ceiling. Anyways, love my, my vacuum. I let someone borrow it, or I used it, I like, took it with me. It's portable because it's cordless. And I took it with me somewhere to, like, help someone clean something up. And then uh, my my um, charger for said vacuum went missing. I couldn't find it. And I was like, oh, man, like, okay. So we didn't have a charger for the vacuum for maybe, like, three three weeks, maybe a month. It was a while. And it was it was sad, and then like I went on the shark website. I was like, I'll just buy another one, and they didn't. They were out of stock, and so, anyways, fast forward to a couple nights ago, my roommate and I were watching Survivor, and we decided to do our nails while we watched Survivor because it's like the perfect time slot. And we're like, let's do it because we look ratchet, and I open up my because I have a gel machine that I got from Amazon. So I do gel and I open up my nail kit and I see I have two chart I have two adapters and I'm like that's weird. One of them was my shark charger. It somehow got put in my nail bag, I guess like when I was like picking stuff up. It was literally I got giddy. Like I felt like survivor fans will understand this. Um there's something there's happening a, there's outside. A helicopter outside. <laughs> if you hear something, um we are 0.5 miles from the COVID hospital in the parking garage here in Mississippi. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um but anyways, back to my important story about my shark charger, <laughs> not COVID. Um it was like fine if you are a fan of Survivor, it was like finding a hidden immunity idol. Like I literally like shot up and like danced around the house. So that was my rose and my thorn. I'm very tired, but now my house is clean. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's exciting for sure. Mine aren't as cool. Um, my thorn is that I have to start class tomorrow. Boo! And they're not like your normal classes. They I have to teach them. Mm-hmm. So it's just a lot. Madison, I didn't know that. Yeah. You're like, oh, that would make sense. You're a PhD. You're one of, like, the grad students. You're, like, a TA. No, I'm an RA. I'm a research assistant. So we don't teach a class, but we teach our own class. So they, they're like, hey, read these papers and know them well enough because tomorrow we're going to make you go to the board and present every paper to us. That is insane. I didn't realize that you did that with your schooling slash job. Oh my goodness. I wish I, can I consider one of your classes one day? Yeah, come learn. It's, it's really chill. It's just me and Umesh and Breland. I can't wait to meet Umesh. Yeah, Umesh rocks. We're going to get Umesh on the podcast. Also, real quick before I forget, shout out to my cousin. (laughs) (laughs) I told her that. Shout out to my cousin. She, okay, one, me and my cousin, her name's Christiana Corbin. Okay. Well, no. Christiana Corbin Gibson. Uh, first, last name, date of birth, mother's maiden name. She um, gives all the info. She she rocks, one. Mm-hmm. Two, let me just tell you right now. We are, okay, we were undefeated in family can jam up until <laughs> last weekend when my uncle, who had just had a heart attack, beat us. <laughs> 
Jeez, he came back stronger than ever. I mean, really. But oh. shout out to my cousin. She rocks. Um, and she gave us a big shout out in her nursing class. So I wanted to give her a shout out on the podcast. Did I just do my thorn? Or am I right? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you just did your I thorn. Did my thorn. And then you got oh, really excited. Just really quick, my rose. Um, my favorite couple from Love Island one. <laughs> Yeah, this year I got really into Love Island, and my favorite couple won, and I'm really happy for them. They're super sweet. Yeah. Shout out Corey and Olivia. We love you, Corey and Olivia. All right. Well, <clears throat> I'm gonna go take a sip, sip of water, just a little sip, just a little bit, a little, little sippy sip, a little sipper ship, and then Madison. Well, I guess it doesn't matter because you're gonna go first this week. Yeah. Okay. We'll be right back. Cue the fun transition music. We were just talking about how somehow our sound is getting progressively worse as we do more of these. But that's why we're going to like take a little hiatus, regroup, and... Figure it out. Figure it out. So, Ashton, this week... <laughs> what if our whole episode was just us... <laughs> what if our whole episode was just us talking about us taking a hiatus? <laughs> we just like need a break. <laughs> what is it? A sabbatical? Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead and tell me your topic. I'm okay. excited. This topic... You actually mentioned it, and I had already written it. Mm. Were you reading my mind? Probably. Get close to the mic. Probably. <laughs> I do that sometimes. So wait, hold on. Do you, can, can you guess? Wait, hold on. Pause. Was your text message today talking about? Was that any? Hint? It was a hint, but you literally said it the other night, and I had already written it. Crap, I say a lot of stuff. Hold on, hold on, give me a hint. Sand. The beach. Not quite. Okay, go ahead. Okay, this week's topic (laughs) is not very sciencey, but it's kind of cool. Anyways, Egyptian mummification. Oh! When did I say that? When we were at Babalu, you were t- we were talking about like church history, and then you were like, "Oh my gosh, I was so obsessed with oh, the Egyptians." That's so, that's so true. We were at dinner, and we, uh, yeah. Also, I am still like I just yeah. I really think Egyptian culture, ancient Egypt specifically, fascinating. Okay, sweet. This is good. Let's do yeah. it. Okay, but pause. I probably am. Uh, already know all of this because I read like a lot of books on it when I was in fifth grade. No. Ashton might know all of this, but for the listeners who don't, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Okay, my source this week, I got all of my information from the Smithsonian website. And I do want to say before we start, kind of for real, um, things can be graphic. What I'm going to say. So, trigger warning slash disclaimer. Yeah. So, I just wanted to give people a moment. If they're, like, listening to it, but they're in the other room dusting or something. And you don't want to hear about the embalming process. Or if you have little ears. If you have little ones around, maybe pause it. Take some time. I'm giving you some time. 
Shove your kids in a closet. Shove your kids in a closet and turn that volume up. It's about to get crazy. Okay. Okay. Background. Mummification was important for... <laughs> what? There was a creak. Oh, it's because Kate was throwing away her apple core. We have a guest in the studio, as we said before. Um, so, mummification was important for Egyptian religious purposes... And they, it was very important for them to preserve the human body even after death. Uh, The earliest mummies, they say, were probably accidental due to the dry air and the sand. But around 2600 BC, Mm -hmm. that is crazy to me. Around 2600 BC, Egyptians began to mummify their dead intentionally. Um, the practice continued and developed over time for over 2,000 years. The best prepared and preserved mummies were from the 18th to 20th dynasties of the New Kingdom, and it included King Tutankhamun, also that's known as King most, Tut. Yeah, that's the most popular one, right? Yeah, King Tut. Um, and then the little boy. Yeah. I have pictures on my... I made a PowerPoint again. I have pictures on my PowerPoint that people can't see it, but it was just her. Oh, Wait, this is a perfect segue that Pop Science now has an Instagram. Oh, yeah. And what we can do is we can, on the day this releases, we'll release the PowerPoint on stories and then pictures that go with my um, story. And you can see what we are talking about. That's such a good idea. I I mean, my favorite murder does it or did it. I didn't come up with that, but... It, Shout out Karen and Georgia. All right. No, we're never going to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait, am I Karen or Georgia? I don't know. You like dogs, and I like cats. You don't like either one. But I'm the comedian of the group. Well, so is Georgia. We're both comedians. I like cats. I have a cat tattoo behind my ear. Okay, we'll settle this. All right, we'll talk about it later. Am I Karen or Georgia? I don't know. We'll do a poll. We'll do a poll. So, the embalming process. Oh, my gosh, I'm Steven. Okay, sorry, go ahead. You're Steven. I'm Elvis. Meow. Meow. Want a cookie? Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Mimi. Okay. Um, The embalming process takes 70 days. Roughly. 70, okay. In ancient Egypt. I assume that's probably because of, like, limited sunlight and limited access to nutrition. You know what I mean? Like, they can't be as efficient as we are today. And literally handmade tools. Mm. So, yeah. We're working with minimal minimal tools here. First step. This is going to get kind of graphic. Are you ready? Drain the blood. First step is to remove all internal organs that may decay rapidly. This includes the brain, which was removed by carefully inserting hooked instruments through the nostrils. Mm-hmm. Um, second, they removed organs of the abdomen and the chest through an incision on the left side of the abdomen. The heart was left in place because it was believed to be the center of someone's like soul being so they left that in place canopic jars have you ever heard of that Mm -mm. so they would use these jars to store the liver lungs 
and stomach and they would bury them with the mummy. Later, instead of putting them in jars, they would just take the organs out, treat them, and wrap them up and put them back in the body. Mm-hmm. Which is weird to me because, like, they just shoved it back in there. You know what I mean? Well, like, because they thought that they would need them, right? Yeah. We'll get into that a little later. But the third and arguably the most important part was to remove all moisture from the body. They used a thing called natron. It's a salt that is, like, incredibly good at drying things out. Osmosis again. Mm -hmm. So they would cover the body in salt and it would draw water out because it was so salty. Um, They place it on the body and in the body. And it just soaked up everything and turned the person again into a big raisin. Then they would wash all that off and then they would fluff the body up with linen and things like that because once you sucked all the moisture out there were lots of sunken in yeah yeah, shrivels sunken in parts so they would stuff the body with linen then they would wrap the body and they used hundreds and hundreds of yards of linen to do this amulets which we learned from twitches i guess on disney like i don't know fancy stone looking things Amulets and prayers, and they used magical words, were written on the linens just as a way of sending someone off to the afterlife. So it was like ancient time signing your cast. Basically. Jason was here. But on mummy. But these were more like prayers and uh, yeah. things to like send them off into the afterlife. <laughs> so what if they found a mummy that was like... What was an Egyptian name? Ramsey was here. <laughs> Ramsey's. Ramsey's was. Ramsey's girl. W U Z. Yeah, they they would ride on it to help them along in their afterlife journey. They would put a mask on the face, like a really pronounced mask on the face, and then wrap it so that the person, like, retained human-like features while they were wrapped. So the, but the wrap didn't cover the mask. Yes, the wrap covered the mask. The so mask, if you unwrapped it, then you'd see the mask, and if you pulled out the mask, then you'd see the shriveled right. face. Okay. Right. Um, Scary. So, who was mummified in these times? Obviously, ancient Egyptian pharaohs were mummified. Uh, members of nobility and officials were given the same treatment. Some common people did this as well, but it was really expensive. What was kind of cool, though, was that animals, I mean, we kind of know this, but animals were also mummified. Uh, sacred bulls were mummified, and they had their own cemetery at Saqqara. There's a special on Netflix called Secrets of the Saqqara Tomb. I watched it the day it came out. It's really, really good if you're into either Egyptian history or archaeology or anything like that it's actually really good really well made um back to mummies baboons cats birds crocodiles they all had religious significance to the egyptians and they were mummified as well so why why do this you know what i mean wait wouldn't they also mummify their like servants like they'd kill and mummify their servants that they would have um in the afterlife yeah, 
yeah, so like all of this is important because they did believe that the things that you had on earth you took with, with you, you to and, the yeah. afterlife. So the Egyptians believed that the body was the home for the soul or spirit. And if the body was destroyed, the spirit might be lost. And they believed that there were three parts to the spirit. They called them the Ka, Ba, and Ak. The Ka is basically a double of the person, and they believed that would remain in the tomb and needed the offerings and the objects that were in the tomb. The Ba was the soul, and it was free to like fly out of the tomb and come back to it and like visit family and such. And then the Ak was the part of the spirit that traveled through the underworld to the final judgment and entered the afterlife. And all three were essential. So that's basically why it was super important. Like if you look at pictures of ancient tombs, they had a bunch of stuff in there because they really believed they needed it for their afterlife journey. So I know it's not sciencey, but that's all I have. I have a lot of pictures. Wait, that's okay. Now we can. Sorry, I just scooted the chair. I want to talk about this. Okay. Can we have like a five minute discussion? Because I'm really, really fascinated by ancient Egypt and the mummification process. Yeah. Okay. First off, story time. I saw one at the Smithsonian in DC. It was the little boy. Me too. Um, he was the prince. What was his name? I don't know. Hold on. I'll look it up. We're doing live research right here on pop science. Mummy. I also saw at the Natural History Museum that large squid. Like I said, the ocean's a terrifying place. Oh, wait, we already talked about that. Um, here's a story from the Smithsonian. My family visited in 2016, and during that time, they had the flag that uh, Betsy Ross. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I think they still have it in the... Um, in the American History Museum. It was like, I literally cried. That, and when I saw, this is so weird, but like, I, when I saw the actual bed that George Washington slept on at Mount Vernon, that like blew my mind. Can we just take a moment to appreciate history and progress and just where we came from, y'all? Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I was looking at, Ashton. All those pictures. There's a baboon. Maybe it's this wrapped mummy of a kestrel. No. No, that's a bird. <laughs> it's not on there. No, I was but it was a, he was a prince, right? Or something. He was one of the... He was like a child of one of the high courts, what do we call it, pharaohs, people's kids. Or he was a prince. Yeah. I think he was a prince. The prince of Egypt. Okay, baby. Yeah. Okay, and then oh also... God. What? Nothing. That's a great... There's such a good scene in that movie. <laughs> just, uh, just insert a clip of the Prince of Egypt. It's so good. Can I make a confession? I don't think I've ever seen it. I'm not going to pull it up right now because the listeners don't care. We'll watch it later. Yeah, we'll watch it later. Um, okay, also back on the subject of mummies. I forgot. Oh, well. That's fine. Anyways. I just sleep. This is a picture of... King Tut. Ooh. I, I mean, it looks... <laughs> okay, he looks ratchet. It just looks fake. It just looks fake. No. Like, it it oh. looks like stone. No. He looks like stone. Because he's literally dried out. He was in the desert for 5,000 years. 
That is 5,000 years old. Did they take out the eyeballs? Uh, yeah. They, anything in the that jar. would decay, really. Wouldn't their liver decay? They put it in a canopic jar. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I and have questions, is... but they're best for uh, pop science after dark because they're kind of graphic. Yeah. Involve so, the brains. This, um, <laughs> this is a picture of what they think King Tut looked like. Yeah, so they just recently had, have been able to, like, reconstruct. Okay, yes. He's not very handsome. No. Um, I'll save this discussion also for Pop Science After Dark. Message us on Instagram if you want the details of maybe why he looks like this. Oh, wasn't he inbred? Yeah, they all were because of... They had to keep the bloodline pure. Yeah. Oof. So, Y'all, King Tut was not handsome. And... It's like super ironic because they took dying like early, so they thought well, there was because like, they had so many issues, but right. it's because they were inbred that so, they were trying to be purebred. Right, the family like believed that they were cursed because <laughs> like everyone kept dying so early in life, but the reality was they kept marrying their sisters. Ugh, it just like didn't work out for them. Yeah, so they had a club foot. Yeah, and that's called. We'll post. We'll post this whole thing. Yeah, it's. There were a lot of, I mean, <laughs> he, we can't take history out of context, because, like, also, I mean, it makes sense, and back then, one, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. probably slim pickings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. They didn't have cars or Bumble or anything like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Kitchen Okay. Well... We'll take another bite and then come right back. Catch you after. Okay, bye. All right, we're back, and I've got my story, and I just my story is going to be all over the place. It's like five stories in one. I went down a rabbit hole. I like rabbits. Okay, so my topic today, slash my really story, like an actual story, involves um, a lot of money, vitamins, and CNN. All right, let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> so, my first, first and foremost, um, my um, sources are Wikipedia, Investopedia, and a documentary called Betting on Zero. Do you know what that is? No. Okay. Wait, are you not going to tell me? I'm about to tell you, yeah. So earlier this, or a couple weeks ago, or whatever, um, there was a meme going around the internet, and it said, you know what else is not FDA approved? Those loaded teas you be drinking every day. I saw that. Okay. Mean the loaded tea, Joe, because it's like all the nutrition stores, like here in our town, it's, you know, like, Fondry Nutrition or Madison Nutrition. It's like, okay, well, do you know what those are? Yeah. What are they? They're like low cal but loaded oh, with caffeine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the teas themselves are problematic, and that was going to be the topic today, but then I found something so much more interesting, so much more literal tea, like drama tea. So those stores are um, a part of 
Herbalife. That's right. And Herbalife has been criticized highly in the media for being this huge um, pyramid scheme. So, we'll get into it. Oh, I'm ready. I like this. But today, or tonight, we're actually going to be talking about finance. It's, it's a whole thing. Okay. okay. Like, there's so much that goes on into it, so I'm just going to, like, say everything and hope it makes sense and it's cohesive. And you're going to learn a little bit, a little something-something about finance. Mind you, my brain, like, slightly grasped it. So, like, if I say something wrong, it's because I don't really understand finance, but I did a deep dive because I got interested in the differences, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, we're going to start with Herbalife. Herbalife started in the 80s, and it is a nutrition, um, multi-level marketing uh, business model company. So, essentially, they've been criticized for being a pyramid scheme, and the definition of a pyramid scheme, this is off of my, top of my head, um, is basically where only top um, executives make money, and then everyone else, like, you make money by recruiting more people, and only the top makes money. That's, like, the best way I can describe it. Okay. Wait, so you make... You have, for, in order for you to get to the top, you have to get enough people under you. Yes, and it's, and in order to make money, you have to get X amount of people under you, and also still the people at top are making so much more than you ever will. So, like, if you jump in on a pyramid scheme early, you're going to make a lot of money. But usually by the time you get to it, it's... So we should start a pyramid scheme? Okay, not a pyramid scheme, they're illegal. Oh, What? Multi-level marketing. That's what we can start. So there's like a very fine line. So they're criticized for being a pyramid scheme, so which is illegal. I think it's illegal. It's definitely not. It you get hit with a lot of. Okay, we'll get into that. I'm sorry. I'm it's just, ethically wrong, if anything. Okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's illegal to do a pyramid. Scheme. Yeah, a pyramid scheme is a is a illegal. It's like a Ponzi scheme where you just keep investing money you don't have and you get more money and you just keep investing it, but if there's like, it's like there's no money. That's illegal. Pyramid schemes are illegal. Multi-level marketing companies are not illegal and it's kind of blurred lines of if it's... The financial world is shady as crap. Like, it's so shady and we're going to get into that now. So, essentially, <clears throat> Herbalife has this business model that is multi-level marketing Um you this is they've completely revamped it in present day but back in the 80s and up until like the mid 2000s the model was you buy all of the product to get started so you'll buy like three thousand dollars worth of product to get started and then you'll open a club and you can only sell memberships to the club and it's five dollars a day and then they come in and they can get their shake and their tea not the loaded tea but like an aloe tea they used to sell and they're like protein shake and it was marketed as like a meal replacement and all the nutrition you would need for like diet culture. And then they took it global, which is really smart if you're going to do something like a pyramid scheme because you're always looking for more people to buy in. And they took it global overseas to like China and India and South America and basically marketed it as like hey, this could be like the meal replacement. Like this could change the lives of your culture because like you know, limited funds, you drink this shake and you're good for the day type situation. So they, it's, it becomes this, this huge corporation and they just are constantly ripping people in. Well, we're going to talk about 
Um, Bill Ackman. Side note about Bill, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Very handsome. <laughs> like, during the whole documentary, I was like, wow, he's so handsome. Okay, like, he's charming, and he's a hedge fund manager, which makes sense. And a hedge fund, real quick, we're going to go over some of the, the terms so you can kind of, like, track what's going on. Hedge fund is a limited partnership of investors that uses high-risk methods such as investing borrowed monies, hoping to realize large gains. They're very high-risk investments because you're basically, the higher the risk, the higher the payoff, but also the higher the loss. So essentially a hedge fund manager takes $500 million from like six or seven different investors or more, but essentially, you know, people playing in this field or people who have money to, to lose. And um, it's like sophisticated gambling. So the hedge fund managers make calculated um, bets, guesses on companies. Some of them will bet on if a company's gonna do really good. So like, I'm gonna bet that uh, Venmo, when it first came out, was gonna be a hit. I'm gonna buy stock early on, so then when it grows into the company, it is. Um, you own 5%. And it, it rises, yes. But also, another term that's important to know is an effective strategy, but it's commonly forgotten with hedge funds, is they will make bets against the success of a company. So a money manager will initiate a short sale, so they're called a short. So have you ever heard of um, short stocks or you shorted that? Sometimes like on the, on the news or something or in a movie, you'll hear people say stuff like that. So the money manager will initiate a short sale on a company that they think is overvalued if the price of the company goes down, then the hedge fund will make money off the bet. Um, and they have like different companies I saw where AT&T always gets shorted, Walmart, basically companies that they think are overvalued that are gonna go down or not succeed, um, they'll short them and then make a bunch of money when those companies eventually fail. Which sounds kind of, you know, a little shady, but it's, it's, that's perfectly legal. That is a way you can play the stock market. You can either bet this company is going to be really successful and buy a lot of stock, or you can short the stock and say, hey, in a year, this company is going to be gone, and then make the money off of that. I don't fully understand the ins and outs. There's a lot of numbers, a lot of like um, algorithms and formulas they use to figure all this out. So, which brings us to my sweetheart. <laughs> Lenny Bill. Um, his name is Bill Ackman, and he was an, or he is, excuse me, an American investor and hedge fund manager. He's the founder and CEO of Pershing Square Capital Management, and he takes an approach to capital investment um, as more of a quote-unquote activist investor. So he essentially has made his name by shorting stocks some companies that he didn't think were going to make it. There was a oh. It was the documentary. He had a successful one with, he noticed that this one company was unethical and things were going south and he picked up on it quickly, shorted them and ended up making a lot of money. And that's kind of how he made his name. Well, Bill Ackman in 2012, 2012, Bill Ackman started going out Herbalife. He got wind that it was a pyramid scheme. They were taking advantage of minority groups because it was a largely Hispanic population that were getting scammed um, into buying the nutrition clubs and getting people under them. 
So, oh, and a lot of the people that were buying in in these poor communities or undervalued communities um, were not legal, so they weren't reporting that they were being scammed because you know, they're not going to, yeah. So it was a really sad situation. So he gets wind of this. And so he goes on a, like, crusade against Herbalife. He does this whole presentation against all, uh, to all these investors, and he's like, you know what? We're going to short Herbalife. So he sets up his stage. Literally, he, like, gets on stage in front of all these people. He's like, this is a scam. This is why. Blah, blah, blah. It's like this full-on presentation. Okay. Well, then, so this is where, like, it's like a back and forth. So buckle up because, <laughs> like you say, it's going to be a bumpy ride. So he comes after Herbalife. Him and the CEO of Herbalife at the time, like, known, hate each other, like, go back and forth, like, get in fights on the news, all this stuff. Like, this is all very public. Well, in 2013, so he's still um, coming after Herbalife and giving his presentations, and he spends $50 million in a PR campaign to take down Herbalife. Now, here's where things get a little, um, I would say, shady because he's, Spending all this money to prove a company is gonna fail, but he's kind of like some people think he's say he's just trying to manipulate the market so that he makes a bunch of money because he decides he's gonna short the stock. So he's invested, I think it's like a billion dollars of other people's money, betting that Herbalife is gonna go down, and then he spends all this money to take Herbalife down. So that's why I don't know why it's legal, but well, there's, I mean, obviously he gets investigated, but. The fun part is there's a feud involved, uh, not, but the surprise is it's not with Herbalife's um, CEO. So, <laughs> I love this part. So um, he makes his initial comments after his presentation and then in 2013, um, a billionaire investor, Carl Econ, I can't remember how they um, pronounce his name, but fun facts about him, he was an advisor to Trump on financial regulation which is interesting because this Carl dude is like the most typical New York stock guy. Like, I mean, talks like this, he's like really rough and you know, he's known, he made his name in the financial world for hostile takeovers, which is basically where like you buy out a company without them wanting you to. And he's just, he, he kind of is a bulldog. Like he plays kind of dirty. Um, so he goes on a live television interview, I believe, with CNN. Yes. No, I'm so sorry. It was CNBC. Crap. Uh, no, it doesn't involve CNN. It was CNBC. And he basically, like, comes after Bill Ackman. Now, they had some beef beforehand. Um, essentially, they were in a deal together, and then either the deal went south, something happened. Bill ended up suing Carl. It was settled, but... It, so they already have a beef. So then Bill's coming after Herbalife. And Carl's like, wait, I'm going to come after Bill. So Carl goes on CNBC and for like half an hour just like rants against Bill saying he's a, um, he's a scared little schoolboy or he's scared on the schoolyard. And he actually makes the comment, which is, is not okay. And this is also very ironic that this guy was like an advisor to Trump on financial regulation. And like you would think that would be someone ethical. He makes a comment about how like, Bill is just like all the Jew boys they used to beat up when they were in school. Like, this guy is like savage and he's like privileged to the max, very, very rich, very powerful man. And he's like bullying Bill on national television. And so he claims that he's going to put an investment into Herbalife, um, essentially like 
promoting it. So Bill's going against Herbalife and Carl's like, no, I'm on board. It's a fine business model, blah, blah, blah. You're just trying to manipulate the market, but they have beef, so he's just coming after Bill and like this company is in the middle of all this. And so, um, mind you, these men are grown and they're very, very wealthy and they're investing other people's money. So that's what I find very interesting. It's not their money they're investing. Oh, well, Carl did put in some of his money, but for the most part, like a hedge fund manager is not managing his own money. He's making money out of other people's money. So he calls him a crybaby, and then he says that he's going to short squeeze Bill's short, which essentially that's what happened with the GameStop on Reddit. So do you know all this? She's like shaking her head. It's news to me. I... I only, only know a little bit about the GameStop Reddit thing because my brother... That's right. Yeah, that's right. So essentially, if you don't know, if you're like me and you just kind of like heard about it, but games, there was a Reddit thread and it essentially manipulated the market to where GameStop uh, stock shares shot up instead of down, but people had shorted the market. So they basically made a bunch of money. And it was there was a lot of controversy because some of the... Um, like Robinhood, what is that called... That's it. Um, I know it's Robinhood, but it's it's not a venture capitalist, but it's a just like an online trading system or whatever. Like cut people off, and then they said you can't do that. It, it was a whole that was drama in itself. But essentially, Carl is threatening to do that to Bill Short of Herbalife, which, mind you, is a multi-level marketing. It's honestly the documentary goes back and forth. It was a pyramid scheme, but that's not the point anymore. The point is these two grown men fighting. So anyways, he says he's going to um, short squeeze it, which is where many of us are short of stock, our bets price will go down, and then the stock prices shoot up instead. So if the stock price rises quickly, short sellers scramble and lose their position. So basically, Carl's just like, you're going to lose all your money, and it's going to be because of me. Ha ha ha. Um, so in 2014, um, New York Times comes out against Bill Ackman saying that he's trying to undermine public confidence in Herbalife to lower its stock, including, pressure, including pressuring state and federal regulators to investigate the company, which is what he was doing. He was calling on um, senators and people in government to investigate and to basically saying, like, this is unethical, this is wrong. Mind you, Bill thinks, I think he genuinely thinks they were doing something wrong. I also think he stands to make a lot of money if he's right. So it's kind of like, oh, but should you be leading the crusade against the company if you're the one that's going to make the billion dollar payout once? So it's, I don't know how it's legal. And then apparently, so like I had mentioned earlier, um, the Latino community was the primary victim, the primary victim uh, demographic, and they had already created a class action lawsuit against Herbalife. Um, stating multiple business infractions against them. You know, people lost everything, which is really sad because you buy all this product, you can't sell it, you can't get anyone under you, you can't keep it up, you don't make any money. It was like 40% of the people who distribute for Herbalife don't make any money at all. And then um, like 80% will make less than 1000 a year. Herbalife's claim is that they say it's this this whole like they have these conventions like the only person stopping you from success is giving up or yourself like you just have to push and if I can do it then you can do it and of course they they have like all the people who got in early who are at the top it's called the president's club they're at the top of the pyramid and they're making millions like they're millionaires off of this but the people at the bottom are making anything so um 
Is Herbalife a pyramid scheme? Probably. They started the loaded teas. Um, they had a big, so I'm getting ahead of myself here always. <laughs> so the New York Times goes after Bill Ackman. He ends up being investigated, and then Herbalife gets investiga investigated by the FTC. They do get slapped with some fines, and they have to completely revamp their whole business model, which is where the loaded teas came in. That's why it kind of looks different, and people are like, oh, I didn't realize that's what that was. Um, I don't think our generation knows it all. I will say this about the loaded teas. They're very dangerous. No one knows what's in them. Um, people have drank them and gotten very sick. So uh, careful with that. I'm not a health expert, but I've heard that, you know, it's, it also it's like appetite suppressant. It's just not good for you. But um, so Bill is still shorting the stock, and he stands to lose or make a billion dollars or whatever. He has a billion invested, and to this day, it's still going on. So Herbalife completely revamped their business model. Carl's still going after Bill. Bill's holding his position. Um, and yeah all from a meme and I was like watching this documentary and these two men are fighting and I'm like watching it and I'm like oh my goodness and then I find because I thought it was just about a pyramid scheme and then I realized there's all this like personal backstory crazy well, I saw a meme like yesterday that was like you won't get the vaccine but you'll drink an herbal tea and you don't even know it's in it exactly like, you won't, yeah you like, won't take an FDA approved vaccine but you'll drink a non-FDA approved like protein shake yeah it's loaded tea it's questionable i think herbalife probably was a pyramid scheme and vastly revamped their marketing um dynamic not dynamic i think they just updated their business model i wouldn't i would love to go interview someone who i like owns one of those um like madison nutrition or whatever they used to be called nutrition clubs but they couldn't like you couldn't sell product like you can now. You could only sell a membership. So, like, if I walk into a nutrition club and I buy in, I have to spend $5 a day or $5 every time I go in as a member to get a shake and a tea. But then the person there would try to get me to open the club or buy the products. But now you can buy Herbalife direct. So, they, they've changed everything because they got, I think they got caught. But... Bill is still coming after them, which is interesting because I feel like with them changing everything. Hmm. That's crazy. I just couldn't get over these grown men like on CNBC yelling at each other. And then there was like, he was like, you told me we could be friends on the phone when you called me. He's like, I never said we could. Be I'm dead serious. I'm quoting them. He's like, I never said we could be friends. He was like, you, okay, Bill. Okay, Bill. Like they're on CNBC talking to each other, like just fighting. It's so funny. And they're so rich. Yeah. Well, so rich. I mean, that's probably part of it. Like, it's easy to get caught up, especially when there's that much money involved. Yeah. Like, you don't necessarily care about your public perception at that point. It's, like, do or die time. You know what I mean? Like, if, obviously, if they cared about their public perception, they wouldn't have done that on national television. Well, obviously, Carl doesn't care about his public perception making inappropriate comments on public live television. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Literally, he said it, and I, like, my friend was watching it with me, Molly was watching it with me, and we both, like, <gasps> like looked at each other, and we're like, oh, my God. What's, uh, what's the documentary? Okay, it's called Betting on Zero. It's available on Amazon Prime. It's two ninety nine. It does a good job of showing, it shows Bill's side, then it shows Herbalife's side, and it kind of finds some middle ground. Um, you know, with any documentary, you never really, if it's a good documentary, you don't know who's the good guy, I would say. Yeah. Um... 
with with scandal it kind of shows a, it i think it did show a well-rounded perception from each or what are words i don't even know what i'm saying anymore i'm so tired okay i think cereal did a good job with that let's start a debate with our listeners. okay no cereal did an amazing job proving that he didn't get a fair trial that's what i'm saying I like guilty or not guilty he right. shouldn't be in prison right now. Cereal, he wasn't proven. Yeah, Serial did a great job of presenting both sides. You know what I mean? And, like, really, like, diving into Adnan's life. Diving into Heyman Lee's life. I just don't think he should be in prison, but let us know Shout what you think. Shout out Sarah Koenig for, like, like what changing we dream, my life. what we dream to be. Like, she, she really did... In 2015, 2014, she started the podcast. She changed my life in terms of things are great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what you see isn't always true reality. It was, it was a cool story to follow each week. I just don't know how Bill's allowed to like go in this. And like, I'm Team Bill, I guess, if I had to pick one because I think he's so cute. He seems like a nice guy. Definitely not Team Carl because he's mean and slightly racist. But um, yeah, I don't understand how it's legal for a company, a hedge fund, to be like, I'm gonna bet this company fails, and then I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure it fails. Yeah, how is that okay? It seems sketchy. I think all of Wall Street's sketchy. Like just even the fact of like. Uh, I went in a deep dive of, like, hostile takeovers and, like, all the, like, you can really do some, like, shady backdoor things to, like, make a lot of money. And it's, it's interesting. No wonder they're all so stressed out. Good thing I am a mid-20s millennial who lives paycheck to paycheck and doesn't worry about this at all. But I would love, <laughs> I'd love to, like... For a day, go into like a hedge fund and be the manager and like make all these high risk decisions. Like no no consequences. If I screw up, oh well. If I do good, oh well. I'll go back to my normal life. You know what I mean? But get to like walk in these meetings and be like, we're not backing down. Slam the piece of paper on the board table and say sign it. And then then be like, no, but it doesn't matter. Your shareholders already signed it for you. And then like walk out. My heels like clicking on the. On the on mahogany. Yeah, like uh, Meryl Street. And then I could drink a martini. Different, different dream. This is like also a dream. This is like a Wolf of Wall Street mm. environment. Mm. But I wouldn't do Coke. I would just drink a dirty martini. Because you know, like they say, stock market people do drugs. Because they're so stressed out. Yeah. They should just stop. They have so much power in their hands. Move to Winnipeg. Take up sailing. Start knitting. Start knitting. Go work with your hands. Build a cabin. Watch the British baking show. Bill, chill out. Carl, chill out. Settle down. Yeah. Well, anyways. Money is the root of all evil. Money is, no, it's actually love of money. The love. The love of money. Which I would, I don't want to assume, but maybe they both had a little bit of that. Um, no, if you're already a billionaire and you're still trying to make more money, you have a love of money. Hot take. 
I don't want to assume that, but maybe that's a relatively safe assumption. I will say, for Bill, it's probably a little bit of the money, wanting to make a name for himself, and a little bit of the activist side. Carl just wants to ruin Bill's life. A hundred percent. He just hates yeah. him. Because he sued him. So, life advice, always live paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> Never make a lot of money. It'll ruin your life. Yeah, just make enough to buy ramen. Ooh, ramen sounds good. Yeah. Yum. And some dumplings. Ooh, mm. yeah. All right. We're going to go eat some dumplings. Yeah. Even though it's 10 o'clock at night. Dumplings. All right. This has been another episode of... <laughs> Pop science. <laughs> it's like a mixture of like four. I think I made it up. Wait, hey, what if we did a whole episode where we were like, that's not a song I just started doing it anyways <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it all right y'all have a great whatever you're having week see Dang. you next week yeah okay bye see you on Monday